chapter number one. Seems like a good place to preach from this close to Christmas. As you're uh, finding it, let me just kind of give my little uh, introduction here uh, to repeat and kind of um, refresh what we've been doing over the past couple weeks. Uh, this is the third sermon, uh, sermon in a series of truth inoculation where uh, myself and uh, David Levin from Westside and Joe Hines from First Baptist and uh, Scott Williamson from uh, First General Baptist um, have all kind of got together uh, to think about the things, the staples of the Christian faith, the doctrine, the teachings that are absolutely a must. There's all, we know there's all kinds of different teachings and traditions and different church circles and denominations that have a tendency to divide us. Uh, and those are all things that we should just sweep under the rug and forget about and focus on the things that we agree on. Amen. One thing Jesus wants more than anything from his church is that we abide together in unity. If you agree with that, say amen. So we've talked about uh, some of these things that, that we all agree on that you, that you really need to believe, you need to know and understand as a Christian. We talked about the inerrancy, the authority of God's word the last couple of weeks. That your Bible is a source that God speaks to the human race and it's a source that is reliable. You can trust in your word. If you, if you don't understand and believe in the Bible and, and the authority that it has, then it's hard to believe anything that's written inside of it. Is that correct? So we've talked about the word of God and the, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, and it is the authority for our life. We can put our trust in it. It's important that we know what we believe. Amen? If we don't know why we believe what we believe, then what we believe isn't worth believing. Amen? I've said that the last few weeks and I'm going to continue to say it. If we don't know why we believe what we believe, then what we believe isn't worth believing. And so it's important that we understand this morning what God is speaking to us and that we submit to that. Amen? So today, uh, in the third uh, message of this series, uh, we are going to talk about the virgin birth. Amen? Uh, I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to this. You know, I've known since I was a kid, uh, if you've ever sang Silent Night, round yon virgin mother and child, you you know that concept that Jesus was born uh, from a virgin, uh, and we just kind of go on with that. But it's deep. I mean, it's really pretty cool when you start digging in uh, to the virgin birth and what it means for us as Christians and that the integrity of the word of God literally hinges on it uh, and it's under a lot of fire these days and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it one thing that you as a Christian need to know uh, and believe is that Jesus Christ was born not of any normal human birth like we were uh, you know as soon as you came to the knowledge and you uh, learned of the birds and the bees, you understand that it takes a man and a woman to make a baby. Uh, that's just the way it goes. But not so with Jesus. He was born of a virgin. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, the virgin birth, how can this be? Turn with me into Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And let's read from Scripture here and, and uh, set the stage for this message. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a very good question. How can this be? Father, we just come before you this morning. I pray for your anointing, the miraculous birth by which you entered this world is to be adorned, it is to be celebrated, it is to be amazing to the human race. And I pray this morning that you would anoint me with the Holy Spirit this morning. Speak this word in such a way, God, that we might see into your heart, we might believe all that you have spoken and said to us, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. All right, so you can see how this would be somewhat of a disturbing uh, conversation. If you're a person and you're just minding your own business, going through your day, and this angel appears and begins to speak, speak to you, you would be somewhat freaked out at first, no doubt. Uh, but this angel had a very special uh, announcement for Mary. You are going to conceive a baby. He will be the son of God. He will be the deliverer of the world, so on and so forth. And Mary asks a very good question. How will this be since I am a virgin? How, how can this be? And the answer to that question is, it can't. It can't be. How, how can a virgin have a baby? It is absolutely impossible for a woman who is a virgin to have a baby. Impossible. It can't happen. Unless... The only way, capital O, capital N, capital L, capital Y, only way it could happen is if the God who created that human body miraculously intervened and moved on that human body and made it happen. That's the only way it's possible for a virgin to have a baby is if God makes it happen. And that is one of the foundational teachings. That is a staple of the Christian faith. That's what we believe. Amen? This is the claim of the Christian faith that we stand on that though it's impossible for a woman who is a virgin to have a baby, God supernaturally made it happen. Now, if you've been raised in church your whole life, you, you, you know, you don't think a whole lot about it. You just, you know that and you, you go forward. But what we got to understand is this. Let's look into verse number 35. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. It will not be a man that will come upon you. It will be the Holy Spirit that will come upon you. It will not be a man that places the seed in your body. It will be God who places the seed in your body. That is what we as Christians stand on. That's what we believe. That's the claim of the Word of God. Now, obviously, non-Christians, unbelievers, uh, they don't buy it. Okay, they don't buy that whole idea. You, you begin to talk about a virgin having a baby, someone that doesn't know God, to them that's foolish. See, the scripture teaches us that all the things, all the things of God are foolishness to those who perish. The preaching of the cross, um, the, the idea that a man would, would die on the cross and be buried and three days later would, would come back to life again, to someone who doesn't believe, that's foolish to believe that because that's impossible. How can, is it possible for somebody to come back from the dead? No, that is impossible. Once we're dead, it's over unless God is involved. There are a lot of things that are impossible. Is it possible for a person to just, uh, you know, be healed, be on death's door one day and they'd be better the next? No, but with God, it's possible. So to those who perish, to those that don't know God, to those who have no hope, all of the things of God are foolish. So the idea of a virgin having a baby with no man involved is foolish. There was a writer in the New York Times a few years ago that wrote an article about this, and this was a quote from that article. 
<clears throat> the faith in the virgin birth reflects the way American Christianity is becoming less intellectual and more mystic over time. You know what that means? Ultimately, what he's calling us is stupid. That the, American, that, the, that the church believing in the virgin birth means we're not intellectual. We're not using our brain. It's mystic. It's a, it's a fairy tale. It's just a made-up idea. That's what a, a secular, unbelieving writer in the New York Times wrote. Bringing the virgin birth under fire. Those who don't know Christ, unbelievers, it's foolish to believe such a thing. There are several religions, Muslims, uh, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, you name it. There's a lot of religions in the world even that will, they'll acknowledge the existence of Jesus. They'll acknowledge he was a historical figure. He did live. He did teach. Uh, they'll acknowledge he died even, was crucified at a Roman cross. Uh, they'll acknowledge that he was a good teacher. If, if you live by the teachings of Jesus, that's good for your life. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So Jesus was a good teacher. There are even some religions that will acknowledge that he was a prophet of God. That God sent him, that God spoke to him, but they don't believe that he was God. He was sent by God, he was a prophet, but they don't believe he was God and don't believe that he is God. Okay, they believe that Jesus was just a man born like every other man with a male father and a female mother. A lot of religions believe that. Some claim that God came into human form had sexual relations with Mary, and that's how Jesus was established. There's always somebody trying to reason away the virgin birth and really all of the teachings of God. We were talking about this before church. You know, here's the thing. You look into uh, science. God will show himself through science in a lot of ways. God will show himself through history in a lot of ways. But history and science cannot prove God. Amen? We're talking about a miraculous God who is able to do anything. There is nothing impossible with God. Amen? That's what we believe as Christians. So all of these other claims from non-believers and, and false religion, and here we can expect that. Okay, we can expect that from unbelievers. We can expect it from people who believe in some other religion that they don't buy into the virgin birth. But unfortunately, in our day and age, there are a lot of so-called Christian circles even that deny the virgin birth. And I, I put so-called Christians in parentheses because no true born-again believer will deny the virgin birth. I, don't, I believe you have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin in order to be a Christian. It's a staple. Because if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then the claims of the word of God are true. And if you, if you deny one part of the word of God, you have to deny it all, right? It's, it's, a, it's sad when Christian, I, I was looking at this, reading some different articles from church, quote unquote, church groups that say, well, it's optional. We don't know for sure, you know, well, it couldn't be. And, they, and trying to explain it away, folks. The word of God declares to us that Jesus Christ was born in a miraculous way. And why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be born in a miraculous way, different than all the rest of mankind? It, it only makes sense that he would. A man, to, uh, to believe in God, but to not believe God is able to do the impossible is a contradiction, right? James the book of James, first chapter, says something like this. When, when people do that, in other words, and I'm paraphrasing a little, but when, when we believe in God, and, but we don't believe in him able to do the impossible, when we ask of God, but we don't believe that he'll do it, he said that, the Bible says that that man is unstable in all of his ways. It's, he, that man is double-minded. It'd be double-minded to believe in God, but to not believe he's able to do the impossible. 
right? To believe in God, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really believe he was born of a virgin. That's a contradiction. It's not possible. We as Christians, we do believe and must believe that God is able to do the impossible, that that is unexplainable by man. If he couldn't do that, he wouldn't be worth serving. If God was limited to normal things like we're limited to, he wouldn't be worth serving, but he's not limited. Hallelujah. He's Able to do anything and everything. That's what we believe as Christians. And he's able to do the impossible. If we can believe that God made the first Adam, the first man, out of dirt, why couldn't we believe that Jesus could be born of a virgin? If God can make people at all, and he did, we're here. If God can do this at all, then he can do it however he so sees fit, amen? And he don't, and I don't have to, my, my questioning doesn't have to fit his explanation, amen? So, a true Christian believes in God that is able to do the impossible, shouldn't have a problem believing in the virgin birth. And so we go on into verse 36. Behold, this is the angel still speaking to Mary. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. Anybody know who that was? John the Baptist. Very good, Carter. He knows. And, uh, and this is the sixth month with whom was called barren, meaning Elizabeth, she was an older lady, okay, well beyond years of childbirth, and she has, she's never been able to have a child. Tried to have kids her whole life, was never able to have kids. She was barren. And now in her old age, God moves upon her, and now she's pregnant, Okay, that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing in itself. And this is what the angel says to Mary. For nothing will be impossible with God. Right? Nothing will be impossible with God. It's, it's possible for God to make an older lady who's never been able to have children have a baby. And it's also possible for God to place himself in the womb of a virgin woman. Nothing is impossible with God. God is so amazing. Why wouldn't he want to bring about the plan of salvation in an amazing way? God created the entire world just so that he might show his love to the entire world, amen? And this plan of salvation, Jesus did not begin to exist when he was born in that stable. Jesus always has. Jesus, this same baby who laid in the manger, was the God who spoke the world into existence, and this was his plan. Why wouldn't he do it in a major way? So, let's look at, this. Let's look at a couple things. Uh, first of all, how do we know Jesus was born of a virgin well and i already kind of answered that question because the bible tells us that and we have de determined in the last couple of weeks the bible's reliable it has proven itself reliable over and over and over again through prophecy for many 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 generations the word of god has been proven faithful and reliable and it declares that jesus christ was born of a virgin the prophet isaiah several hundred years before jesus was ever born okay this wasn't like a week before uh, 700, I believe, seven, 800 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote this, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know to mean what? God with us. God with man, who God becomes man. Uh, what shall conceive? A virgin shall conceive. That's, what, that's how God speaks to the world and said, here's one way you'll know who the Messiah is. There's going to be a lot of people raise up and claim to be the Messiah, claim to be the Christ, claim to be the Son of God. But here's how you'll know the real one. He will be born from a virgin. The Word of God declares it. Now, as we look through the Word, 
So many things that we read about here, even in the Christmas account, that that verify it. In other words, if you take the virgin out, all of their testimony becomes invalid. You look at Elizabeth, okay, when or Mary's cousin, the mother of John the Baptist. When Mary first found out that she was pregnant with Jesus, she went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And when she came in and she gave a greeting and she began to explain to Elizabeth what had happened, Elizabeth testified, when you spoke to me, the, the baby inside of me leapt with joy. It leaped. And the Bible says that she and John were filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. The testimony of this virgin that God had spoken to her, Elizabeth testified, it must be true because I felt the baby leap in my womb. Okay? That don't... Still not convinced? Let's look at Joseph for a second. I believe that if nothing else confirms that Mary truly was a virgin, I believe that the account of Joseph that we read about in Scripture proves it. I mean, let's, let's face it. Joseph's willingness to marry Mary uh, speaks volumes to her being a virgin. You say, well, what difference does that make? No normal man is going to, his fiance that's supposed to be a virgin comes to him and says, well, I am still a virgin, I'm, I'm pregnant. I am still a virgin, but it's God's baby. No normal man is gonna just buy that, right? Be like, yeah, sure. What's he automatically think? She, she's, she's pregnant, that's, that's showing. He automatically, all natural signs points to one thing. What is that? She's been unfaithful. She's been sleeping around. And, and, and at first, that's what he thought. I don't buy this whole God baby thing. That's, that's ridiculous because that's impossible, right? We, we acknowledge that from the very beginning. It's impossible for a virgin to have a baby, and it's God's baby, yeah. So he makes the decision to divorce her, put her away. He was going to do it privately. He didn't want to make a big spectacle. He still loved Mary, but he didn't buy it at first because most people wouldn't. But Joseph eventually decides to marry Mary and raise the baby we find later that Joseph did believe it. Why? Because an angel came, that same angel came and appeared to Joseph and said, hey, what she's telling you is true. Take her, marry her, raise this son. Joseph, God in a supernatural way, though all natural signs pointed Joseph to think about it like any other man would. Imagine, imagine Joseph telling, going home telling his parents, yeah, Mary's pregnant. She's, she's still a virgin. We haven't, you know, I mean, but it's God's baby. Imagine him telling his buddies that. Imagine trying to convince your, your family, your closest family, that all this is true. Man, they would be like, you need to ditch her. This is the dumbest, this is the, this is the weirdest story, makeup story I've ever heard. And, but the angel God, in a supernatural way, reveals to Joseph, it's true. It's true, she really is a virgin, and that baby really is God. Joseph then takes her, he marries her, he raises Jesus. Joseph was convinced that Mary was a virgin still. If he didn't, everything comes tumbling down. He'd have never done it. I wouldn't have, would you have ever taken on? The only way a man would actually take this on and do it is if God showed him. I believe God showed Joseph and he was convinced. She's a virgin. She's telling the truth. And there's another convincing thing. He agrees, this young man agrees to go ahead and marry Mary and not have any sexual relations with her at all until after Jesus is born. 
I don't know a lot of new, newlywed men that would agree to terms like that. Unless God told him to. Might be, might be a lot of men that wouldn't even do it then, even if God told him to. But not many men would be willing to forego that honeymoon experience, if you will, until after Jesus was born. There's a reason for that. God told him to, and we'll find out here in a minute. I mean, obviously, he had to. They, they couldn't be together. Because if, if Mary, even though she was already pregnant, if Mary and Joseph would have come together, then that would put the virgin birth at question. It was necessary that she was virgin all the way up until she delivered the baby. All kinds of things. I'm not going to go into great deal, but the, the shepherds, the angelic host that came and said, hey, this baby, it's, it's the son of God, it's born in the manger. And they, these, these angels, why would these angels appear to these shepherds? All this happening at the same time. Angels come from, I mean, shepherds come from out of nowhere and say, angels spoke to us and we're here to, to worship the baby. That wouldn't have happened if she was lying. Uh, the wise men looking up into the stars and they examine the stars. And, and after hundreds of years of examining the stars, they look and they see this one star that's never been there before. This one star, they were astronomers, that's different. There's a purpose, there's a meaning. And they realized that God had showed them that star to point them to a new king. And these guys willing to, it was so different, so obvious that this was outside the scope of reality and, and normalness, that they were willing to leave home and go travel thousands of miles away to find Jesus. Simon was a the Bible teaches us in the temple was, was, was a Holy Spirit-filled man of God, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ that would come to the world. And when Mary and Joseph were in the temple offering the sacrifice for a newly born son, Simeon, Simon's over here in the other room, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, he's here. I mean, now, Joseph and Mary did not conjure this. They did not make this. Simon comes in, and he knows the Holy Spirit has revealed to him, this baby is the Son of God. He testified of that. God would not have brought all of these miracles about to commend a lie. Amen? Time and time and time again throughout the Word of God, we find that the testimony of the virgin birth is absolutely true. Take it away, and Christianity is a house of cards that falls. I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. It's an amazing thing. Again, we, we, I grew up, I was so excited about this message. I'm like, you know, I mean, I grew up knowing that Jesus was born of a virgin. Didn't really question it, didn't think nothing about it. And then when you really start digging into how important it is, it's pretty cool. It's very, very important. And if you believe it this morning, understand that you believe it because the Holy Spirit has shown it to you to be true. Hallelujah. So why? Why did God choose a virgin? And I already said that. There's... Because she was a virgin, there was no chance of Jesus being fully human. You and I, born of a man and a woman, we're, we're fully human, and that means we all have a sin nature. The husband has a sin nature, the, the dad has a sin nature, the mom has a sin nature, which then gives us a sin nature. In sin, we are conceived, I think David said. So, <clears throat> Jesus had to be born of a virgin because if he'd have been born of a man and a woman, he'd have had a sin nature. But he had to be, in order for Jesus' death on the cross to actually work, and take our sins away, Jesus had to be perfect. Which means, since no human being is perfect, it had to be God that made the sacrifice for us. Because only God is perfect. So God, God being Jesus' father, he's perfect, that's his divinity, and, and, and Mary being his mother means he's human. He's 100% human, he's 100% God, that, that matters, that's, that's a big deal. Jesus had to be God in order to be able to be perfect enough to die for our sins. And the only way he could do that is if he was not born of a man and a woman. Had to be a virgin. 
had to be a virgin. Proof that he was not born of a man. A virgin symbolizes purity, right? Jesus was coming to remain pure. He did not sin for 33 years. He lived on this earth and did not sin one time. If he would have sinned one time, he would not have been worthy to, t- to die on the cross, take away our sins. Absolutely. 33 years. You've heard me say this before. I can't hardly go 33 seconds and be perfect. 33 years, he did it perfectly. And he could do that because he was God. Amen? It was, he had to be perfect in God form. If there was no virgin, now look at this. Here's the progression. If there's no virgin birth, then there's no sinless Christ. If there's no sinless Christ, then there's no atonement, meaning a method by which our sins are taken away. If there's no atonement, there's no forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, there's no hope of heaven. If there's no hope of heaven, then all we had to look forward to as humans is death and hell. All starts with the virgin birth, amen? God is always, why a virgin? God has always desired the first fruits of man, right? Always desired, in fact, you go back into the Old Testament law and God tells them in the law, everything that opens the matrix, in other words, everything that opens the womb, the first baby of every creature, God said, is mine. He always wants the first. I don't think that's too much. That's probably not, I don't think it's too much for God to ask due to the fact that he gave us everything. I mean, with our money, God says, I want the first 10% back. I think with our time, we probably ought to give him the, we have a tendency to give him the leftovers, but maybe should we give him a little bit of our best time sometimes? You know, our, our first fruits, that's it is first. And God says, well, if you have a cow, you know, and she has a calf, that first calf is mine. That first sheep is mine. That first baby is mine. And they had sacrifices that they would bring to redeem that baby. That's why Mary and Joseph were going to the temple. But the point being, God always longed for the first fruits. So it makes sense that God himself would be born of a woman who was the first fruits of that woman, right? A miraculous God, I'll say it again, a miraculous God deserves a miraculous entrance, don't he? Not just like every other man. So why did God choose Mary? This is my last section here. Talk about why, why a virgin, why that's necessary, how we know it. But why do you choose Mary? And I think this is how, I think this is where we can relate the most. I mean, you may, you may be listening to this message this morning and think, Dennis, I get it. Born a virgin, I have no problem believing that. So how can this message help me any? Or you might say, or you might be here thinking, okay, well, I've never really given a whole lot of thought. Or maybe I kind of questioned it, but I believe now. But here's, here's what it really comes down to us as an individual. Here's what we, how we look at and apply it to us. Why did God choose Mary? I mean, there were a lot of virgins in, in Israel during that time, okay? A lot of virgins that would have been glad to do this. In fact, you know, I mean, everybody, all of the Jews knowing that the Christ would be born from a virgin because of Isaiah's prophecy that he would be born from a virgin. So any, any virgin in, in Israel during that time was hoping to be the one, right? To be the blessed virgin that would give birth. So, so there was a lot of virgins that would have been willing to do this and you know, would have wanted to do this, have God, you know, choose her. And there's a lot of virgins in the land that would have been a good mother. I don't believe that God, I don't believe that Jesus chose Mary because he was looking for a good mom, necessarily. There's a lot of good virgins that would have been great mothers. There's a deeper reason why he chose this virgin, Mary. We know, don't know a ton about her before this point, other than we know she was highly favored. 
She's highly favored. God favored her. He looked to her more than any of the other virgins in the land. Why? What was it about her? I mean, she was highly favored, but she was not sinless. She was not perfect. Mary had a sin nature. We had to understand that. And there's a lot of you know, teaching today, uh, you know, of uh, the Immaculate Conception, that, which basically says, well, Mary didn't have a sin nature. You know, God preserved her, and she didn't have a, a, a sin nature, and she was perfect, and therefore, that, and that's not true. There's, there's no solid, solid, hardcore evidence in the scripture to back that up. Not true. She is not, she was not perfect. She's to be highly favored, she's to be honored, but she's not to be worshiped, not to be prayed to. You know, the Bible teaches us about treasure in earthen vessels, God puts his treasure in an earthen vessel. What is an earthen vessel? It's something that's made of the earth. It's something that's clay. It's something that can be broken. It's something that is flawed. But God puts his treasure in it. It's like taking a gold brick and putting it in an old cracked pot. Treasure in earthen vessel. So God, what he does is he entrusts the gospel. He entrusts his spirit to us. We are earthen vessels. We are made of the clay. We're made of the earth. We're broken. We're flawed. Yet God puts his treasure in us. Mary was no different. She was to be honored. She was the mother of God, and she submitted to the plan of God. And we'll talk about that in a second. But she was not perfect. She was not perfect. She was not perfect. She was an earthen vessel that God had put his treasure in. So, again, highly favored, but she's not perfect. It's not like she, was, she lived her whole life without sin, and that's why God chose her. First of all, God has never chosen anybody by those standards. Can you look to the scripture and find one person that God chose because they were perfect? No. He, in, in a lot of ways, he, he picked the most messed up person to work through, right? So that's just not the way God does things. So that's not how he would have chosen Mary either, I don't believe. Here's what I think it boils down to. I think that God knew she would be willing to make the sacrifice. And think about this. God was to give his only begotten son right, to the cross. God was going to watch his only begotten son go to the cross and die for the, for the human race. And Mary was going to have to also. God was Jesus' father, but Mary was his mother. She's willing, willing to make that sacrifice. When you go, well, I was talking about Simeon a minute, or Simon a minute. Is it Simeon or Simon? I keep wanting to say Simeon, but I think it's in the second chapter of of Luke, you don't have to turn there, but Simeon, it is Simeon. So this man, Simeon, that God speaks to and says, you, you won't die until you've seen the Christ. And he, he, he's in the other room and Mary and Joseph are in here and he comes in, the Holy Spirit reveals to him, this is him, this is the Christ. And so Simeon, this is what he speaks of Jesus. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant himself depart in peace. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for, your, and for glory to your people Israel. His, mother, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, look at this, Simeon says to Mary, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul also. A sword will pierce your soul also. He's speaking to Mary. What, what sword piercing her soul do you think Simeon was referring to? Exactly. 
Don't you think that as Mary stood there at the base of the cross and she looks up and she sees her son, her firstborn son, bleeding and dying on the cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't you think that that felt somewhat like a sword piercing her soul? To, to have to watch him be beaten mercilessly by, by Roman soldiers? At the very beginning, Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. I don't know, I look at that, maybe I, I just think that she knew the plan of God and was willing to submit to it. She says later, she says, Lord, let this be it unto my servant, your servant as you have spoken. Meaning, okay, Lord, I will submit to your plan. I, don't, I think when we look at all of the facts, I don't think she's just talking about having God's baby. I think she understands the plan and what is to come and the sacrifice she was going to have to personally make for her salvation, right? And for all of the sins of mankind. Not everybody would be willing to make that sacrifice. Would you? I would not. Kelsey is the most precious thing in the world to me. Kelsey and Brady. She's my first. I can't imagine giving either one of them. I can't imagine giving one of my children, my only son or my only daughter, so that other people, ah, be tough. But Mary was willing to make the sacrifice. That's why I believe she was highly favored. She, she understood the plan and submitted to it. That's why when she said, be it unto me as you have spoken, encompassed a lot of things. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Let your will be accomplished through me, Jesus. I will, or God, I will have your baby and I will also raise him and I will also submit to him at the cross of Calvary. It was her heart's desire and I believe that's the heart that God looks for in every human being. Why does it matter to you and me today? We look at the pattern that that, that Mary set when she just simply submitted to the will of God. Be it unto your servant as you have spoken. What is it that God has spoken to you? What is it that God wants to do in you? First of all, first and foremost, if you're not saved this morning, if you're, if you're lost, you're an unbeliever, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that's what God, God's will is for you this morning. That you might come to the knowledge and the understanding of the truth that, that, that God loves you enough that he does not want you to go to hell. That he wants you to surrender to him and, and repent of your sins so that your sins can be forgiven. And all he looks for is a person to say, God, be it unto me, unto your servant, as you have spoken. Cleanse me of my sin, Lord. I repent and I believe in you. And then I escape all of the he hell and the death. Those of us that are saved, we still wrestle a lot of times with the will of God. Does anybody, any other Christian ever wrestle with the will of God besides me? Or is it just me? Am I just, I'm, kind of, I'm probably just faulty. All you guys, you have no problem following the will of God to the letter, right? Congratulations, you're awesome. We all, as Christians, we struggle at times with allowing the will of God to just live through us. And God is looking for all of us to just come to the conclusion and say, God, be it unto your servant as you have spoken. What if we began every day that way and meant it? God, be it unto me today as you have spoken. Whatever your will is for me, Lord, I want to follow that. That's what God is looking for. It's what he wants to hear from everybody. That was Mary's willingness. I believe that's why he chose her. That's why he put that great treasure in that earthen vessel. Once we have, a, once we have that heart as well, the same as Mary did, then guess what happens? The Holy Spirit, it was the Holy Spirit that placed Jesus 
inside of Mary. And to this day, when we confess our sins and we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit will place Jesus inside us today. He is Emmanuel, God with us, but Jesus teached and described that he will be more than just with us, he will be in us. His spirit is what gives us the ability. When I got saved and things started to change in my life, things, sins that I used to commit, things that I used to be bound to, that once I got saved and I, no, I was no longer bound to those. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't perfect, but things changed. I, I, I didn't give in to the same things that, that I gave in to before. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I got saved because I got my act together. I got saved, the Holy Spirit came and lived within me and he gives me the power to do what's right. He gives me the power to overcome sin and temptation. Without the Holy Spirit being in me, I would fail every moment of every day. God wants to get in you, amen? He don't want you to just have some common knowledge of him. He wants to get in you. And this virgin birth, this great miraculous event that brought God into the world so that he could accomplish that, it's worth being amazed over. It's worth celebrating. It's worth worshiping the God that would do that for us. Amen? Hallelujah. Bow with me.